0: You know, the best part is there's no Twitter trolls or Facebook trolls arguing about stuff they don't know anything about. So uh, if you want to enjoy your Dynasty experience even more, win those championships, pause the podcast right now, sign up, and you can thank me later in the group chat.
1: Tell us a little bit about Hate Brand. When did that start and uh, how are things going with it? Things are good, man. Uh, That started in October of 2014. So now give or take seven years into doing whatever this thing is. And um, that's apparel company. I started then and wanted to start making some clothes that I wanted to wear is really where it started. It start, and, uh, did it
0: start more with you writing something first? Like, yeah, you, like yeah. uh, was it like an ebook or something that you put out or?
1: Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a book. And then we made an ebook. So I wrote a book in 2010 of uh how to train for the highland games it's called training lab and one of the sections i wrote about in the book is called the hate and this was just this kind of personal philosophy i had that my brother and i had spoke about um just with athletes that we admired and it was these guys that just you know still on top still still willing to do the work to get better that it seemed their concern was always about them getting better to their standard and not about what had to do with anyone else
0: so they didn't hate and other people
1: you see those guys get up in the morning on, like, 4 a.m., and it's, yo, that dude hates himself more than me. That guy's <laughs> willing to put in the work. He's willing to do it. And so from that point on, it was about, like, I'm all right with getting beaten by someone better than me, but I'm not willing to be outworked.
2: What's happening, everybody? Happy Monday, and welcome to the Rookie Rundown. It is your host. It is Memphis, and you can follow me on Twitter at D W Z Memphis. And with me tonight on what is known as the NFL Draft Week, it is my co-host, it is Mr. Dallas Heider. You can find him on Twitter at Salad, that's Dallas backwards, Salad Galore on Twitter. What's going on, Dallas?
3: Hey Memphis, just another wonderful week here. We're about to all uh, experience the lovely draft here on Thursday. I'm very excited. Uh, As always, this is my time of the year. So, I am excited to talk about potential prospects and Get in the nitty gritty of this draft.
2: Now, now, are are you suffering from draft fatigue? Me personally, I'm starting to get a little a little fatigue with this class. So,
3: typically, I would say yes. Uh, it's very common to get fatigue. Um, but being a Chiefs fan with the trade that just happened this last weekend, uh, it got a little spicy for me. It switched some things up a little bit, and so now. On the first night of the draft, I'm going to be exclusively focusing on my Bears. I don't have to split my attention, be concerned about two people making me happy. I'm already happy with the Chiefs. They just got a Pro Bowl player to fill in for their most glaring need and didn't have to give up a first, really. They just basically drafted Orlando Brown with the first and uh, just moved back in the second. So um, typically I'd get a little bit of fatigue going in right now, but I'm actually pretty excited to honestly just see – See what happens with the offense versus defensive breakdown of this draft because everyone's talking about how heavy offensive that this draft is going to be, which is great for us fantasy guys. But looking at a lot of the, I guess, a lot of the pro mocks that are out there with the guys that have their ears to the ground of the actual NFL, I think we're going to be surprised with how many defensive players, specifically defensive backs go in the first round of this year's draft, and I think it's going to shake things up to where there's quite a mu- uh, quite a bit of talent left in the second round, um, kind of similar with what we saw last year.
2: Yeah, there's, a, you know, I do the, the gambling podcast with our boy, Dr. Kyle Bowser, at DWZ underscore Dr. PT, and Dr. Kyle and I were talking uh, about this draft, and then I have been going into the DraftKings app and the FanDuel Sportsbook app looking at various props. Dr. Kyle and I are going to do a show on Wednesday and we're going to talk about player props and things of that nature and currently the over and under on the defense and the offensive players. So the offensive players the line is currently 18 and a half and the defensive players is 13 and a half. Now some of the Vegas pros that I follow. I, I've heard some like it a little over, some like it a little under. But based on what I've heard, that feels pretty close to accurate. So I think 18 and 14 feel right. And they they did this exercise of just going through there, of going through the locks. Like, you know the five quarterbacks are going in the first round. You know at least three to four wide receivers are going in the first round. And and they just kept, you know, the the number of offensive linemen, then you start going to the corners, to your point, and some of the defensive players, and it's going to be really close. Uh, Let me ask you this. Now, I'm a big Clyde Edwards Hilaire fan. What what do you think about all the additions the Kansas City Chiefs have made across the offensive line? Uh, I know they're getting the one French, and at least his name is French, gentleman back. They brought in one of the retired for one-year-long brothers. Uh, they just traded for Orlando Brown. What do you think about this new and improved Chiefs offensive line from a man Clyde Edwards, E. and and the, the Chiefs in general?
3: Yeah, I think that they've done a very good job at the most glaring hole on their offensive line, which was the run game. A lot of the issues that came with Clyde last year were the fact that he wasn't getting very good blocking inside, specifically from the guard position, because we were playing at one point two third string guards that we picked up off the streets basically to play for us. So fast forward to this offseason, we brought in all pro Joe Tooney to play left guard I don't really like the Kyle Long. I think people are people are thinking that it's going to fill a hole at right guard if LTD isn't ready to fully take that position back after sitting out for a year. But as a Bears fan, I've watched Kyle Long his entire career. He's the definition of an injury-prone player, and he's the definition of an inconsistent player. Uh, he hasn't played at a Pro Bowl level since his rookie contract, honestly. Um, It's been very spotty the entire time and his run support is good, but his pass blocking has always been suspect. So with them bringing in Orlando Brown, I think that is the push in the correct direction for the pass protection aspect of the line now. But I think that is still a slight up in the air comment that you kind of have to worry about because I think they drastically improved the rush defense, Uh, Sorry, not rush defense, the rush offense by bringing in the players that they did. But the loss of Eric Fisher and what he brought to the pass protection game on the blind side for Patrick Mahomes is, even with Orlando Brown, something I think we're going to be missing a little bit much. But when it comes to Clyde, I think it's huge. I would look for a lot more consistent usage in the run game now that they don't have to worry about getting stuffed behind the line. Um, A lot of the short runs that Clyde had last year were predicated directly on how well his offensive line blocked we know he's shifty but if he's getting hit two two yards behind the line of scrimmage he's not the back that's going to break that and i think that's something we're going to see that's different from what we saw in 2020
2: not too bad and uh, uh thune was the guy that i forgot about i knew they they had a additional offensive line reinforcements it kind of feels like i don't know some of these teams if the owner will spend the money They all have the players, you know, I think about the Rams and uh, I don't know, man, it it seems like some teams, the Saints, the Buccaneers this year, they're playing with a different bank account than the, the rest of the league, but we'll see. But we're here to talk about rookies before we get into that. I want to make sure to let you know that this show is available on all your major podcast platforms as well as YouTube. Now, this particular episode will not be available on YouTube because I had some camera difficulties and was just happy to get an audio podcast with my man Dallas. And if you're listening to this, if you're listening to the sounds of our voice, man, go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. We are down to needing six to get to that magical 200 number. And that goes a long way toward helping the analytics of the show. It goes a long way toward helping other dynasty connoisseurs find the show. So just hit pause Go into your podcast player and leave us that five star and make sure to subscribe. If you're a first time listener, first of all, thank you for stopping by. Thank you for tuning in to the rookie rundown on this particular channel. We also have a show called the FF Smackdown, the dynasty war zone and the big bet. So we have a lot of different podcasts for you all on one channel and the reviews help us on every single one of them. Again, you can find me at DWZ Memphis on Instagram and Twitter. And you can follow the show at Dynasty Warzone on Instagram and Twitter. And if you're not on socials, good for you. You're probably smarter than the rest of us. But uh just hit me up at DynastyWarzone at gmail.com again, Dynastywarzone at gmail. Com. All right, Dallas, let's get into this class, man. So there have been guys that, that you've loved. Uh, Michael Carter comes to mind. Now, give me, give me the name of a guy that you're not particularly high on today.
3: If I had to go with someone that my opinion has dropped a little bit, just the more that I've had time to think about it, it's – I don't like saying it because I do like the player, but it's just Rondell Moore. I'm starting to get in my own head a little bit when it comes to Rondell Moore, specifically about his fit and where he's going to go. Um, he's one of the players. Surprisingly, we haven't heard a lot about from any NFL sources at all. We haven't heard about him going high. We haven't heard about him potentially slipping because of his size. We, we, It's just radio silence, basically, with Rondell Moore. So that kind of makes me get in my own head a little bit. Um, It makes me think about the size more. It makes me think that maybe NFL scouts are thinking what we're thinking with the size. But then I start thinking about the athleticism. So I think I'm just a little bit more uneasy about the draft capital that Rondell Moore is going to get, as opposed to some of the other wide receivers in the class. So specifically, that would be my biggest, I don't know unnerving moment coming into this week's draft
2: well I I'm still I still continue to hold out hope for Rondale Moore uh, I have seen mock drafts with him going at the back end of the first round and I've seen mock drafts with him going in the early third round of the NFL draft and everything in between I'm currently in the middle of doing a mock draft uh, it was headed up by Nick Whalen. And next, back with the Dynasty Trade Calculator. It's um, 32 football and fantasy football analysts. We are all playing GM. Uh, I, of course, am playing the role of Chris Ballard of my Indianapolis Colts. And uh, Rondale Moore in this particular draft went, I think, 25 or 26 overall. I think it was to the Jaguars, whatever the Jaguars pick is via the Rams. Let me ask you this. Now, I'm I'm going to be pro Rondale more regardless. Um, I like the athlete. Now, is there a landing spot that could bring you around? Because at this point in the draft, we have talked almost at nauseum about the the players themselves, their height, their weight, their speed, what they did in college, what they look like in their underwear, and everything in between. And the next big piece of the puzzle, and in my opinion, fifty plus percent piece of the puzzle is where these guys will be plying their trade. But is there a spot in the NFL that he could land that would maybe, that would maybe reinvigorate your, your passion for Rondale Moore?
3: Yeah, if he ends up in New Orleans at the back end of the first round, I will not care. About anything else, I will be a hundred percent sold and a hundred percent in. Um, he's got to go to an offensive mind. I honestly like Jacksonville at twenty six. Like you were saying, would be another good spot just because Urban Meyer has been known for using guys, gadget guys specifically, identical to what you want to try and get out of Rondell Moore. It just has to be a playmaker that I'm comfortable with. Um, I don't want him going to a first-time offensive coordinator. I don't want him going to a first-time head coach that is the offensive coordinator. I want him to go to an established scheme with an offensive savvy guy. So I'm looking at specifically the Saints. I think he would – this one's kind of weird, but um, in the second round I could see him going to a place like Minnesota who has been searching desperately for half a decade for a wide receiver three. Um, They went through the Thielen Diggs whole little tribulations and all that jazz. And now they've got Jefferson and Thielen again, but they don't have that third. Basically just shifty fast guy. So those are the two spots that I would be very intrigued at. And that could be realistic for him to go to. Um, Worst case scenario for me is him going to the Jets, which have a bunch of guys that are middling tier wide receivers, throwing him in when there's not an alpha to take away those big corners and going into a new system. So that's just my one avoid spot for him would be the the Jets in the beginning of the second round.
2: Well, I'm going to hit you with a couple of spots, but I disagree. I actually like the Jets. Now, had this been the 2020 or before uh, under Adam Gase Jets, we would be in complete lockstep. I would be agreeing with you 100%. But the fact that Mike LaFleur is there, and I could really see him being a security blanket for young Mr. Zach Wilson. Now, the rookie uh, pass catcher that I really want to land in New York with the, the Jets is Pat Fryermuth out of Penn State. They could really use a good tight end. Sorry, Chris Herndon truthers out there. He's just not going to fire uh, at this point. And, you know, I, Corey Davis is okay Denzel Mims could maybe be better than okay. We're going to find out this year. Uh, I have another question I'm going to ask you here in a bit, but I, I tell you what, I would like him to land in a spot where I, I think they would use him creatively. And those that listen to this podcast or listen to the Dynasty Warzone know what a big fan of Scott Turner I am there in Washington. And I would love to you know, see him used in in that type of offense. I don't think Washington's a great landing spot now that they've got uh, Curtis Samuel. But I I would not mind, this is going to blow you away, I would not mind him. I would love a quarterback upgrade, but I would not mind him as an alternative there in Chicago with your Bears. They're rumored to be trying to trade Anthony Miller, uh, former second-round pick himself, a guy that I actually liked. And I like the fact that Rondell Moore's got the speed, but he can also operate close to the line of scrimmage. The five foot seven does not bother me. It's—I I tell you, let me ask, ask you a question. So, my my fandom of Rondell Moore—I'm I'm still neutral. He's a stock hold for me. He's not a buy. He's not a sell. I'm going to let the the NFL draft and the NFL draft capital be my final my final uh, determination of whether or not he's a rookie buy or sell for me. But which is more concerning for you, the height of Rondell Moore or the weight of Devonta Smith? I would probably
3: still stick with the height of Rondell Moore. Um, and it's it's not because it is extremely concerning. Like I'm concerned about injury proneness or anything like that. I think they're probably equally prone to it uh, between Devonta Smith and Rondell Moore. The issue I have is Finding models of success throughout the history of the NFL with players that are 5'7 or shorter. That's, that's my issue. You have, off the top of my head, I can think of Darren Sproles as the only one with long-term success that would be used in a gadgety and or scatback and or uh, quote-unquote offensive weapon type role that has been a successive long-term and that boy was thick he was about 220 when he was really uh really putting on the weight but he was sitting up at about 200 pounds which is not where Rondell Moore is at so I would be more concerned with the height usage of Rondell Moore than really the weight of Devonta Smith when I think about it because Rondell Moore does take the hits Uh, That's the one thing Devonta Smith does not. He does not take hits. He's got that body control that everyone likes to talk about of being able to avoid at the last second, go down, get outside before he takes the massive hit. So I'm not as concerned about the weight as I am the height.
2: Well, for me, it was kind of a trick question. So where Rondale Moore will go in rookie drafts? Now, in fairness, I do have Devonta Smith as my wide receiver four in the class, and I have Rondale Moore. As the wide receiver five, so I have them very similar to one another. I just think Rondale Moore is going to go higher in rookie drafts than I'll feel comfortable taking him. I don't know. I, I honestly, where I think he'll go in a one QB league, I have him as the tenth player off the board. Uh, I would be much more comfortable attempting to acquire him. I have him at the, have him at the one oh. Uh, excuse me, the two oh five in a super flex. But I look at this draft board, and I think I would rather have guys that will play a similar-ish role in the NFL that I can get considerably cheaper. Guys like Amari Rogers, guys like Kadarius Tony. You know, those two guys come to mind. I think by the time rookie drafts get here, I think Elijah Moore will be way too expensive. Uh, but if my man, and, and I think he's slowly becoming my twenty twenty-one man crush, Amari Rodgers. I think if. He and Rondale Moore were to get similar draft capital. I would have a hard time. Let's say they both go at the end of the second round, top of the third. Maybe one goes like sixty overall, the other one goes like seventy overall. I, I'm gonna have a hard time paying up for Rondale Moore and, and instead of waiting like another half a round or a full round and to get into Amari Rogers. What are your thoughts on that philosophy?
3: Yeah, I'm always a. I'm always going to take the cheaper option. Uh, If there's one thing my mom taught me is never pay full price for something if you don't have to. Uh, So when it comes to players or buying a nice shirt at Marshall's, I'm going to go for the cheaper option more times than not. And so uh, when it comes to what you're saying specifically with a guy like Amari Rogers, you're right. You're getting the same type of production that you are most likely going to get from a Rondell Moore unless he hits in that perfect situation. Um, It... (sighs) It honestly reminds me quite a bit of what we were dealing with last year when you could either trade up into the first round and get one of those guys that you considered to be the elite tier of wide receivers, or you could sit at the top of the second and take your T. Higgins, take your Brandeis, take your Pittmans, the guys that ended up actually producing last year. Um, So it's just one of those things where I'm always going to – on the side of caution, as opposed to trading up specifically at the wide receiver position, because there are a lot of those duplicate profiles that you get. Um, I don't want to call them poor man versions, because a lot of times you're going to get 80% of the actual production you're going to get from the top tier guys from that step down. But I'm going to focus on pulling in basically as many of those picks as opposed to trying to trade up for that pricier guy.
2: All right, well, I want to get into another one of your guys here in just a second. Uh, I just did my rookie rankings, and I'll talk about those as well. And the only place to find those, I posted them on our Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Dynasty warzone. That is the place where the group chat is going bananas. We have a secondary rookie chat on our group chat that is for rookie conversation only, as well as startup season. We're getting ready to start our 10th. Patron League. Uh, it's going to be an IDP. Lord help us all. IDP. Uh, it's fun. I'm not the world's biggest IDP guy, but I'm uh, going to give it a whirl with the patrons over at patreon.com forward slash dynasty warzone. It's still five bucks a month. I, I see a lot of Patreons out there, and, and good for these folks. Um, they range in price from, I've seen them as high as $30, and I've seen a lot in like the 10, 12. And then there are some that are also $5, but you know what, for what you get for the money with the the group chat, the podcast a week, I've actually been doing two, uh, posted one on Thursday, we'll post another one on Monday, Monday evening, and then again on uh, Thursday. So that's the regular cadence, we have a great group chat, we do one-on-ones and it's the exclusive way to get on the contractor series of podcasts. So if any or all of that interests you, just head over to patreon.com forward slash Dynasty War Zone and check out the Patreon. As well as the social medias I gave out earlier. If you have any questions, you can hit me up. I will be more than happy to get with you and uh, answer your questions. So back to the rankings there, Mr. Dallas. I am uh, I'm a little bit higher on Terrace Marshall Jr., I have moved him up to my wide receiver three. I mentioned earlier I had Devonta Smith as my wide receiver four. Uh, Where are you at with him?
3: Yeah, so right now I have Terrace as my sixth wide receiver, so wide receiver
2: six. Uh, Wow, that's interesting because he's gotten a lot of steam, man. I mean, I've seen some some high-ranking services out there have him as high as two, and for me it feels like this tier behind Jamar Chase can be reshuffled in any order, but he's at six. Holy smokes. Tell me why, and then tell me where could he land that would change your your heart? Yeah, absolutely. So the,
3: exactly basically with what you were saying, uh, a lot of people are high on the Terrace Marshall, and for me, I love that because that is going to allow my man, Rashad Bateman, to slide to me later. So when it comes to Terrace Marshall, you are looking at the definition of a height, weight, speed, prospect. Uh, He had moderate production behind two of arguably the greatest wide receiver prospects that have come out in the last five years in Jamar Jefferson. and, uh, Sorry, not Jamar Jefferson. Got those confused. Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. Uh, But when he was allowed to be the alpha this year before he ended up opting out due to injury, he produced at a very high level. Um, you got to see the circus catches that everyone fell in love with. You see that long stridey speed that you see with guys like Julio Jones. He doesn't have that extremely quick burst off the line. Like you would see from some of the shiftier slot guys like the Rondell Moores. But when it comes to a true X wide receiver on the outside, Terrace Marshall fits everything that you're looking for. To a T. The main reason he is not higher on my list is the inconsistency in his play. He he has inconsistent hands right now. Um, I I attribute it to concentration drops. Which, as you know, I'm not really big on crediting or discrediting guys based off of drops because I don't find it a super sticky stat long term. But when it comes to his run blocking for being a guy that's pushing six four about two ten he doesn't put in consistent effort. He he wouldn't fit in a place like Pittsburgh, put it that way, where they want their wide receivers to be able to block in the run game. He doesn't put in effort. He's the guy where you see him pretend to run his route half speed, get in the guy's face, put one hand on him, and then oh, lo and behold, that corner is the one that makes the tackle on this running back. So I just look for a more Overall tenacity from my players, as you know, I like the dogs. The dog mentality is what I'm looking for, and Terrace Marshall doesn't really have that. Um, it's not that he can't contribute. It's not that he can't be amazing, but I just see him more as a very consistent back end, maybe wide receiver two as his total peak. I don't see him eclipsing into that Julio spectrum, even though he has the height, weight, speed aspects that you're looking for from an X.
2: Well, that's fair. I, I, For me, he is my three. I am going to continue to leave Jalen Waddell as my two. Uh, people like to throw out the Tyreek Hill comp for him, uh, but when it comes from Greg Cosell, I, I'm all ears. Greg Cosell has been doing this as long as anybody, and he does not throw around comps very lightly, so I will leave him there. As far as Terrace Marshall, man, I just really want him to go with more of a... Of an alpha quarterback, I don't want him to wind up with a conservative quarterback like a Tua. and that's no cheap shot at everybody. Everybody loves Tua, you know. He's a he's a good young man, come from a, a great program. We all want him to succeed, but for me, he feels like a Mister Play It Safe, kind of like a Jared Goff. Like, and when Jared Goff turns it loose, it's not a thing of beauty. You want him? I want Terrace Marshall to wind up with a Yolo quarterback. Uh, I want him to wind up with his old teammate, Joe Burrow. I know there's this sentiment in Cincinnati where the Bengals should draft Jamar Chase at the 105. I think that would be a tragic mistake. I would much rather see the Bengals draft Penay Sewell and hope that Terrace Marshall drops to them at the top of the second round. You know, they have the well, fourth or fifth pick in the second round, so somewhere in that same range where Michael Pittman Jr. Went last year wouldn't be the, wouldn't be the worst thing. And, and here's the thing, if he doesn't, I'd have no problem if your man Rashad Bateman landed there. Because as it stands today, I will get heat from this, and you can uh, you can point that heater at a uh, DWZ Memphis on Twitter. But I've got your boy Bateman at six. I don't like the fact that there's nothing special about his size. I was I was all in when he was six two and two ten, and then he shows up at his own pro day and he weighs you know, a buck 95 and is is six foot tall, you know, 6'2", 210, two and then there was the, uh, the Exos combine where he had ran a, a 4-3 where at Exos, everyone gets a, I could probably get a 4-3 at Exos. You think I could? I mean, I, I mean, I'm part of the hashtag It club. And if we're not posting this one live on YouTube because of uh, some camera difficulties, but, you know, Dallas has, you know, got the sleeveless shirt on. He's flexing the guns but I, I think I could get a 4-3 at Exos. That sounds reasonable, right?
3: Yeah, I mean, I I would say if you show up wearing spandex, they'll probably give you a sub 4-5 at the very highest. Well, they so should. I'm paying,
2: paying for, for it. it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm scratching the checks. I should get a 4-3 or double my money back. But mm-hmm. no, man, it, it's nothing against your boy, Shadi B. I, I really want him to land with, uh, again, if he were to go at the top of the second round to Joe Burrow, I just... I, it's a feel 6 foot 195 by no means disqualifies him from being a very good pro wide receiver but i just you know this this wide receiver class reminds me outside of jamar chase it reminds me of a lot of robins and that jamar chase is the only batman he he feels like the real superhero in this class and that everyone else once they get to the nfl like i'm not seeing any other wide receiver ones from a, from a fantasy standpoint that's what we do here from the dynasty and fantasy standpoint, I don't see a lot of guys that we're gonna look look in the future two, three years and we're gonna go, that guy's a wide receiver one, and that guy's gonna supplant. You know, we all love Devontae Adams, we all love Mike Evans. We know we still, even though he's not been a wide receiver one since twenty sixteen, we still love Odell Beckham Jr. But I just don't think that some of these guys, Rondale Moore, Devonta Smith and Rashad Bateman. I just don't think that we're going to be looking at our dynasty rosters in three years and say, "Man, I'm glad I drafted Rashad Bateman." Damn, good to know that he's the replacement long term for Devontae Adams. I just don't feel it. I feel I feel like these guys are going to be much more of like the the replacements for the Cooper Cups and the Robert Woods and the Juju Smith Schuster's on your roster. I'm, I'm, I'm just not feeling that alpha from this class. Is that fair? I, I think we've been spoiled for so long, man. Last year's class was amazing. The class of 2019 was amazing. 2018 was damn good with DJ Moore and Calvin Ridley, and we're hoping to see something out of Cortland Sutton amongst others. But am I wrong for pigeonholing this class as a bunch of second-tier superheroes?
3: Not at all. Um, It's funny that you were talking about basically landing spot. You want the alpha QB. So I I think Terrace Marshall just – going back a little bit is what we all wanted MVS to be. So if he landed in a place like green Bay as that wide receiver too, I think you would get exactly what you were looking for, for that compliment for Devonte Adams. But again, I think we're looking at a lot of sidekicks. Like you said, um, when I, when I look at some of these guys, um, I do see that complimentary role. I see the wide receiver two that you're consistently getting 800 yards with. And on the lucky year, you break the double digit touchdown mark on the unlucky year. You're hit hitting 800 yards with four touchdowns. Um, there's no one really out there that is going to require shadow treatment outside of most likely Jamar chase, honestly. Um, and just, you know, going back to that flip flop. That's funny that we have each other's guys at six and three, just in opposite order. Uh, it's funny how that works out, but (laughs) we've just all got our favorite flavor of ice cream right now. And, uh, I'll go with shoddy B, um, but yeah, no, I 100% agree with you. I think we have a lot more Robins than Batmans in this year's
2: draft. Yeah, it's not the it's not that I can't you know get on board with it. I just uh, I, i'm looking i'm looking for Alpha man, and I'm just not feeling it in this class. Uh, I want to hit you with a couple of tight ends. Um, we all know about Pat Fryermuth. Um, obviously, Kyle Pitts goes without saying. But I, I wanted to ask you about um, Tommy Trimble. And Hunter Long, I, I know it's Hunter, and my that's correct, right? Hunter Hunter Long. I started to say, you know, uh, Hunter Hurst, but that's either a pro wrestler or the guy in Atlanta. So, what do you think about these two guys? I, I, let me let me ask you this: Keep trade cut. Let's play an, Im- an impromptu game of keep trade cut for your dynasty roster based on what we know today. And here are the three names: We're gonna go Tommy Trimble, Hunter Long, and Brevin Jordan. Keep one, trade one, cut one, and go. Okay, perfect. I'm glad you included Brevin Jordan because
3: I was going to comment on him if we just kept it with those two. I think he's the most under-talked about prospect currently in the draft. Um, Everyone's talking about Fryermuth, Everyone's talking about Kyle Pitts as the one-two. And then it's just kind of a shit show bouncing around between everyone else as to who their tight end three is, uh, which I get that it's hard to peg it. But when it comes from a athletic standpoint, there is pretty much no one else in the draft at the tight end position that can give you the game breaking ability that Brevin Jordan can. Um, So for me, based off of price between those three that you named, I'm buying Brevin Jordan. Uh, I think that people are down on him. I don't think he is going to be as expensive. And that is because my cell in this aspect is Tommy Trimble. He's getting a ton of steam in the media right now, specifically from the actual NFL sources where they think he could potentially push for tight end two, depending on what goes on with Pat Fryermuth. And so uh, for those of you that don't know, Tommy Trimble out of Notre Dame, uh, he is... The definition of a guy I don't like, so it's not shocking as to why I want to sell him. Uh, He is a lot of projection with not a lot of widespread production at his time there. Um, He is a wonderful end zone target. He thrived in the red zone, specifically the red zone offense. Most of his production came from targets in the red zone, but he faded away. He was used as a subpar blocker, which is something that it needs to improve on quite a bit. And with the current price, um, I'm not saying that he's going very high because no none of the tight ends after the first two guys are going relatively high. Um, but when it comes to Tommy Trimble, I see him most likely landing in a favorable spot and continuing this hype train into the offseason. So I'm going to sell him. My keep is going to be Hunter Long. Um, I feel like people pigeonhole him right now as kind of Mr. Vanilla Ice Cream, my second ice cream analogy for the night. We're just going to keep it going,
2: I guess. Hey, dude, uh, but hey, dude, I, p- I've, I've been craving an ice cream sandwich all day. This is not helping, but keep going with Hunter Long and Vanilla Ice Cream. Oh,
3: don't even get me started. I was in, <laughs> I was in the store this morning, and I saw one of those M&M cookie sandwiches, and I almost bought it at like 8 o'clock this morning, but I didn't. It's fine. Uh, but... <laughs> Uh, When I'm sitting there thinking about Hunter Long, I'm thinking he's playing Jane. A lot of people don't want to buy into him. They think that he's just, for lack of better phrasing, uh, pigeonholing him, a white tight end that does everything moderately well, but nothing exceptionally well. Except anyone who watched Boston College, when it came to the actual passing game, because they're a very heavy run scheme, he was pretty well the focal point of a lot of what they were trying to do. Um, He was the move tight end that could also block, which is very hard to find. And if New England had not, you know, stole every tight end available in free agency, I thought he was the perfect fit for them because he is the classic just Z, the Z back that you throw in the backfield. He blocks, he moves, he catches, and he is athletic enough. I think he was in the the mid four sevens, if I'm not mistaken, don't quote me on that. I'm not looking at stats right now on player profiler. Um, But for him, I think I'm going to hold him. Um, I think that his price is reasonable. I think that he is probably the most well-rounded out of the three guys that we're talking about here. Um, He doesn't have the ceiling of a guy like Brevin Jordan, but he doesn't have the floor of a Tommy Trimble. So that would be my hold out of the three.
2: All right, I, I, I can respect that. I was just listening to again. I was listening to there, there's a great podcast. It's um, it's a it's a Philadelphia Eagles technically podcast, but it's got like I think his name's Fran or Frank Duffy. I don't know. I I, I should probably know the host name, but it's called Journey to the Draft, and it's an Eagles original podcast. And I think it's Fran. I feel like it's Fran. Fran Duffy. Uh, he routinely has guys like Dame Brugler on there. Howard, uh, excuse me, Greg Cosell. As well as others, and you know, Greg Cosell was talking very highly of him as well. So, uh, I'm always looking for an upside tight end play. Uh, I like the fact that you you never want anyone to be the hashtag wet blanket, but I do like the fact that you were very honest about Tommy Tremble because he is becoming uh, very trendy as uh, as it seems as we get closer to the draft. I'm to the point to where I'm just ready to see some draft capital. I want to have a draft capital conversation with you in just a second, but I got one more name for you. This is a guy not too far from where you reside. He played his college ball uh, not too far from you initially, and then not too far from me later in his career. That's Trey Sermon. Now, he started his career at Oklahoma, ended his career at Ohio State. Uh, Our man, Matt Waldman, recent guest on the Dynasty Warzone flagship podcast and the creator of the RSP podcast. You know, brand. I guess because he's got podcast and, and draft guides, and you name it, Matt's got it. But that's his RB one. I've seen him shoot up to the RB four in a lot of spaces. How are you feeling about Trey Sermon? Let's let's end the overall prospect talk on uh, on Trey Sermon.
3: Yeah. So when it comes to Trey Sermon, this is also another fitting prospect for me because, as you know, I'm an Ohio State Buckeye fan. Uh, so when it comes to a guy that I watched every single Saturday during this college football season, um, it hits home, talking to him, talking about him a little bit. So Trey Sermon, um, saw him a lot when he was at Oklahoma. So I watched a lot of K state football as well. Um, that's the alma mater. Uh, but he never really got a fair shake at Oklahoma when he was there. So people talk about the fact that he lacks a little bit of the production, but this is one of the few cases where it wasn't situational that he didn't get the production. Um, It was just Oklahoma is notorious for bringing in basically a top five running back prospect from a senior in high school every single year. And when you bring in a guy who's top five in their respective class at a position, you're going to give him a go. And so that's what we saw with Ramondre Stevenson. Um, He started getting a lot of the carries. Trey Sermon, um, I I don't want to say he left because he didn't think he could dominate the role. I think it was realistically because he saw a better opportunity with J.K. Dobbins leaving Ohio State. So fast forward to this year, he comes in, no training camp, no offseason facilities, Uh, Big Ten decides, basically about two weeks before they were supposed to start the season that they aren't going to play the season, only to then come back and say, just kidding, we're going to do it. So you have a guy trying to learn a pretty complicated pro offense, with which is what Ryan Day runs, um, trying to learn and overtake a guy like Master Teague, who was the incumbent all-star youngin that Ohio State was trying to filter in. Um, fast forward a couple games in, hasn't done a lot. Trey Sermon's not putting in the work that he needs to. He's only getting a couple of carries. People start to question basically what's going on. Is he a complete bust, anything like that? And then Master Teague goes down with injury. The second Master Teague went down, Trey Sermon exploded. Went, so uh, the way I look at it is it's similar to how if you look at the first half stats of Derrick Henry in a game, you're never impressed with him. You never are. It's always a little bit sketchy. Uh, You don't like watch Titans games if you have Derrick Henry on your fantasy teams. But Trey Sermon, when given the opportunity and actually fed the ball 15 to 20 times a game, is a monster. He is an extremely physical play style, but he's extremely elusive for being a guy that's about 215, 220. Um, I like him a lot. I have him currently floating between 5 and 6. That's going to be an extremely draft capital position for me. And I have him bouncing between Kenny Gainwell, Kenny Gainwell, and Trey Sermon as my five and six, right behind Michael Carter. Um, it's just one of those situations where I think he's going to get the draft capital. Um, I respect Matt Waldman's opinion quite a bit. Uh, he's had quite a few more hits as opposed to failures when it comes to the guys that he marks as his guys specifically. Has he been higher on some prospects than others that have busted? Of course, all of us have. But the guys that he lasers in on as his guys in drafts, which is Trey Sermon for this year, uh, I have to respect his opinion. So when it comes to what I see happening in the NFL draft, I think he's going to get that third to fourth round draft capital, and I think he's going to end up going into a situation that needs a running back. Um, Someone that likes power, that doesn't want to spend a lot of money on a running back, Pittsburgh just think about it. They've got the floaters in the backfield right now. People are talking about them spending a high draft capital on it. They've got a lot of bigger glaring needs than running back. Why not take that third floor or fourth round flyer on a guy like Trey Sermon, put him in there. And then if he comes with that kind of draft capital in an actual situation that needs a running back, I'm going to be all in and he's going to be that five as opposed to six. Um, So I'm a big fan, higher than most, but I'm not quite going to call him my RB1 because he definitely has some flaws to his game.
2: Well, for me, he is, uh, I love using this uh, analogy. He's my ultimate choose your own adventure novel in this running back group for me. I I kind of feel like landing spot be damned. I think ETN and Harris and even Javante Williams are at least going to be fantasy viable. And when I say fantasy viable, I think their floor is an RB2 for a given season with some RB1 season upside. You know, if if Trey Sermon, to your point, if he lands in a great spot like Atlanta, like Atlanta at the top of the third round, or Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's a great call. I could, I could see Trey Sermon and Anthony McFarland being a nice one-two punch in Pittsburgh. I could see it being a really interesting offense. But man, if you told me in 12 to 18 months that Trey Sermon was just the next Mike Weber, I could be like, yeah, I, I, I see that too. You know, a guy that we thought could make a little noise in the NFL. But, you know, Mike Weber, I don't know that he's even still in the league, to be quite honest. So, uh, Yeah, he is, and he, he didn't get the draft capital, though. I think he was a sixth-round pick, if I'm not mistaken. And you have taken me nicely right to my next and, and, and final transition, is what's your favorite night of the draft, and why is it Friday? Why is it that round two and three draft? Why is that, at least for me personally, I'm kind of answering for you, that's my favorite night. I, I love round one. I've got several guest appearances I'm gonna make on some some podcast and YouTube shows on Thursday. I'm gonna make the rounds, if you will, jumping on and, and talking with some good people. But for me, where I really kinda lay off the phone and just sit there with a notepad, scratching down notes and, and, and redoing some rankings, is Friday. Because that second and third round draft capital, that's kinda like the line of demarcation. It's like if you didn't land on Thursday, but if you don't land on Friday, you you've got a, a, a very big uphill battle ahead of you as a prospect. What do you think about that that little rough uh, little rough analogy of, of, of Friday being so important? I mean,
3: you you honestly undersold it. It it makes or breaks careers. It honestly does because when you're spending high draft capital on a player as a coach, specifically for teams that need to win now, i.e. my Bears, every year it feels like, if you mess up in the second or third round, then you're done. So the picks need to hit. So I like personally the second and third round on day two because everyone pretty well knows who's going in the first round, Um, except for teams like Seattle, who seems to always pull a linebacker and or defensive lineman out of their butt and throw them into day one when they're
2: round four. You mean mean that Rashad Penny and Jordan Brooks weren't good first round picks for Seattle the last couple of years?
3: Yeah, it feels very
2: reminiscent of the Packers who are also notoriously
3: bad drafters yet are still the in our division.
2: They're (laughs) not always bad drafters. They're bad first round drafters. I would say both Seattle and the Packers have had a a good – uh Track record of success, especially in mm-hmm. that two through five round, round especially with you know offensive linemen. But yeah, yeah. you're right though, man. The, the the Packers and the the Seahawks like to take their first round picks and just set them on fire, and then still go on to be successful because they've got Aaron Rodgers and and Russell Wilson. And I didn't mean to interrupt you.
3: No, yeah, no, yeah, that's exactly my point though. So. I like seeing the second and third round because it shows me what the true, real like needs are. Because a lot of us like to force pigeonhole picks in the first round, but in reality, we always end up surprised in the first round because teams are drafting based off of their big boards with best player available a lot of times as opposed to what their actual glaring needs are. Um, Casey, for example, with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, that was just a guy that they wanted. That didn't have anything to do with their biggest need. They had, for as well as they knew, Damian Williams, who should have been the Super Bowl MVP the previous year on their roster already. So, There was other bigger holes, but that's who they had on their big board that was higher than everyone else. So the second and third round is that cutoff mark for not only draft capital, but it is a actual focus as to the biggest need on offense and typically defense. It's very seldom that you see back-to-back picks from the same team go offense-offense or defense-defense, unless you're the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Typically, you see the biggest need on both offense and defense uh, basically drafted by every team on that day two. Um, and so I love seeing that specifically because I get to look at the guys that they say, we're getting this guy involved after this point, it's kind of a crap shoot. We're just going to see how well they fit in our scheme. But just from like personal opinion, um, like the bears trading up for Anthony Miller a couple of years ago. Yes. He's fallen from grace now, but they traded a second round pick to move up about six spots because they saw Anthony Miller as the best wide receiver left in the entire draft. And they were going to be damn sure they got him on the team and got him involved. And what do you know, rookie year, that was his best year because they were force feeding him the ball in the slot. Um, It's just very telling on day two to see where teams mindsets are. I find it fascinating. Plus when you get to day three, I delve deep into rookies, but I don't delve that deep. And when you hit round about five, I pay attention to the guys that I have circled on my list, but a lot of the times I see people getting drafted, I'm like, I have no idea where that school is. I've never heard of that before, Uh, that type of thing. So I like to stick on that Friday night draft, just like you.
2: Well, you you mentioned a lot there, and I want to hit on some of it. First of all, you're absolutely right. I I think about teams and their drafting their needs. I think the first round is... Best player available. They're looking for as much upside as humanly possible. This is the Dallas Cowboys taking CeeDee Lamb in 2020 in the first round. They didn't need CeeDee Lamb. They needed corner help. What'd they get in the second round? They they got a cornerback. Uh, I think about the Colts. Chris Ballard. Uh, I saw a thing on Twitter the other day that in his five years or whatever it's been in Indy, he's made two first-round picks and ten second-round picks. And some of those second-round picks have been guys like all-pro Darius Leonard, have been uh, Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman. I still don't think we've seen the best of Paris Campbell. So I, I, I think that was very well said. And then uh, to tie that back to a fantasy standpoint, uh, I hate to do this to poor Jerry, but you know, I love you, Jerry. If you're listening, I know you are. Uh, Jerry's wide receiver won a couple of years ago, Hakeem Butler, a.k.a. Hakeem Bustler, Uh he wound up with fourth-round draft capital, and that all but sunk him. But remember, draft capital is not everything either. Uh, I, I'm going to give Paris Campbell the benefit of the doubt because he's been injured, but look at Andy Isabella. Second-round draft capital has, has never fired. Christian Kirk, day two pick, has never fired. So it's not the end-all be-all, but it does make a hell of a difference. man. And you know what? I had a hell of a good time on this podcast today. Just wanted to jump on here with my man Dallas. So, here's what's coming up, guys. Here's what's coming up. Starting next Sunday, we're going to start a series of mock drafts, and it's going to be all of the hosts on various nights from the DWZ Football Network. It'll be me, Dallas, Kyle, and Jake from the FF SmackDown. We're going to have Dr. Kyle in here. We're going to have Jerry, uh, Mike Scrounge Up, Matty Big Chest, our graphics guy. You never know. Might find Tyler and Lou that's nowhere near DFS season. But we're going to do a lot of mock draft content next week. Like every single day. A 1QB, Superflex, tight end Premium, Superflex, and all the above. A lot of mock draft content on the way. And you heard the commercial at the top of the show. Hate brand goods. That is my official apparel sponsor. And the promo code at checkout is Memphis. So that's the HVIII.com. Promo code Memphis. We have the Patreon. But uh, I'll tell you what else we have. We have the draft, as you're listening to this, exactly three and a half days away, Dallas. I can't wait, man. It's been great talking about all these guys leading up to this. Just tell me where they're playing ball, man.
3: Yeah, I'm the exact same way. Uh, Since you guys won't hear me on audio uh, pods until next week post-draft, I'm going to make my two call-outs right now. Um, For me specifically, I think – Uh, under the radar guy based off of what I'm hearing specifically out of Buffalo. um, If I'm going extremely brazen, I would say watch out for Travis Etienne at the end of the first round of Buffalo, but I'm not going to go crazy. Um, I legitimately think that Chiba Hubbard to Buffalo makes a lot of sense. And I would look, I would just look out for that specifically on the second day of the draft in either the second or third. Um, And then I'm going to go with my wide receiver. Um, Specifically, I think it's going to kill him, and I'm going to hate it. But with Baltimore acquiring a second first-round pick with the trade with Kansas City this weekend, I think Rashad Bateman is pretty much destined for purgatory in Baltimore, and I would just look forward to seeing him in purple and the occasional black. Um, those are my two call-outs, and that's pretty much all I got.
2: Well, it's funny you say that. I'll give you a sneak peek. Uh, We're going to be talking about some rookie gambling props on Wednesday night, live on YouTube and Twitter, and just about everywhere else. We'll have that podcast out by Thursday morning, so you can listen and maybe get some bets down. One of the guys I listen to is a uh, New Jersey school teacher. They call him Tommy the Hitman. And to go along with your ETN take on the DraftKings uh, Sportsbook, ETN is plus 150, the second favorite to be the first running back off of the board. And I know I said that a little bit weird. So, Najee Harris is the uh, favorite currently. So, you have to bet a $1.67 to win a dollar on DraftKings. But with ETN, it's plus 150. So, you bet a dollar and you actually get 150 back. Uh, and that was uh, Tommy the Hitman's uh, best bet was to bet ETN as the first running back off of the board at plus money. So you are not alone, my friend. You are not alone on Travis ETN, and you will not be alone here next week when we do a crap load of mock drafts here on the DWZ Football Network. But on behalf of that man, his name is Dallas. Remember, you can find him on Twitter at Salad Galore. You can follow me at DWZ Memphis and the show at Dynasty War Zone. And until next time, remember, here at the DWZ, we're just trying to make the world a better place for fantasy football. I'll see you back here real soon. Thanks. And this segment is brought to you by ViridianGlobal.com, and that is the official apparel provider of the Dynasty Warzone merch. We have our T-shirts over there. We have our dad hats. We have our Jerry NWO-themed hats. We have hoodies. We have Raglan's baseball season just kicking off. A Raglan is a baseball shirt where the body of the shirt is white and the sleeves are different colors. We've got some some tank tops. We have our new working harder than an ugly stripper t-shirt and so much more. This is the brainchild of myself. And our graphics guru, Maddie, aka at Maddie Big Chest on Twitter. We have a ton of styles and you want to head over there and check everything out. You simply go to Viridian Global. That is V E R I D I A N Global, ViridianGlobal.com. Search the Dynasty Warzone store and then you'll see all the t-shirts. Hats, accessories, everything that we have available to you from a merch standpoint. They are a great sponsor and we recommend you check them out today. That is the group over at ViridianGlobal.com. Thanks for checking them out.
4: Hey guys, Nick Burnett here. Just wanted to kind of give some information on why I joined the Patreon, why I'm part of the Dynasty Warzone uh, team. Downloaded the Dynasty Warzone podcast. It took one day to join the Patreon. Reached out to Memphis about a situation with one of my rosters. And the kind of feedback I got was, hey, Nick, why don't you give me a call? Uh, We went down my roster and he helped me pull off a couple of moves that put me ahead when I thought I was going to be in rebuild mode this year. And that's just part of what comes with the Patreon. Uh, Just uh, trade talks, just good interaction with guys that love fantasy football. Uh, whether it's 10 o'clock at night or three o'clock in the morning there's always going to be fantasy football talk whether it's redraft whether it's dynasty i joined a couple leagues with the patreon members and it's the same thing even in even while we're drafting we're still shooting ideas at each other and if that sounds like something that you want to be a part of pause the podcast now join the patreon and join a join a great fantasy football group but more like a fantasy football family